Welcome to the podcast. I'm Isaac Carroll, and this is What Do I Know? If you're joining me here today, I hope you have had a chance to listen to the first podcast in this series called Who's Jesus? It's a short introduction of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And we're going to pick up here today on where we left off in the last podcast in the verses of Luke 6 and 39. We're going to use this to uh, start our search for salvation. 6 and 39 is talking about Jesus' teaching about spiritual and scriptural blindness. And it goes like this. It says, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teaching, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teaching. Now you might ask, what does this have to do with salvation? I can tell you a lot more than you think. But I want to use it to emphasize the importance of where and how we search for Christ, how we search for salvation. And I believe with some scriptures, I can show the importance of testing everything that you hear and are taught concerning salvation. And we'll start in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. It says, Do not extinguish the Spirit, and do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test all things. Hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. How about 1 John 4, verse 1, starting in verse 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether it is from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, how do we test if not by using the word of God? Paul states this in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I'm afraid, however, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be led astray from your simple and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims a different Jesus other than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit than the one you received, or a different gospel than the one we accepted, you put up with it way too easily. How about Titus 1, verse 3? It says, Beloved, although I have made every effort to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt it necessary to write and urge you to contend earnestly for the faith entrusted once and for all to the saints. For certain men have crept in among you unnoticed, ungodly ones who were designated long ago for condemnation. They have turned the grace of our God into a license for immorality, and they deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's look at Acts 20 and 29. It says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, and they will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise up and distort the truth to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, be alert and remember that for three years I have never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now, I hope we can see the importance of being alert and searching Scripture. So when we're presented with things that go against the Word, we can reject them and not easily be led astray and down wrong paths into unbiblical doctrine. For there are many preachers today that are preaching a salvation that is not biblical truth. And they'll use a verse or a section of scripture to define the entire word of God. And that's just not how it's given. If the entire word of God is truth, then no one scripture 
makes another scripture untrue. But we'll use the whole scripture and understanding one verse. You can't say that one gospel cancels out another gospel because it's different. Right? They may not be chronologically the same, and they may not say the same thing because they're from four points of view. But we use all four gospels together as a whole to get a complete picture of the life and teachings of Christ. It's the same thing with 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 verses. We use all scripture to understand each verse. So if we read a particular verse, we have to read it in light of the entire scripture. Not say, well, this one scripture says this, so I'm basing my entire salvation on this one scripture. John 3.16 is the biggest one. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you take this scripture in the context where people give it and say, all I got to do is believe and I'm saved. Now you'll hear people teach you that. And I guarantee you, you'll have people arguing right now saying that's exactly what it says. Of course it's what it says. But are you looking at it in light of the entire Bible? Entire scripture? Are you are you understanding what it means to believe in context to the entire New Testament? If you are not, then you're not understanding what is meant when he says believe. I hope I'm making sense to you because I'm really trying to make a point. And that point is not to base your salvation on the word of someone, but test the validity of what you're being taught. And we must examine ourselves also. And this teaches us in 2 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 5. It says, examine yourself to see whether or not you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Can't you see for yourself that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless you actually fail the test. And I hope that you realize that we have not failed the test. Well, how do we test and examine? If not by the truth, that's scripture. And go by what scripture teaches us. Because we know that it's not man who provides salvation, but the word of God, who is Christ Jesus. Now, I know I've gone a far field about salvation. But I felt it important to emphasize the need to apply scripture to every context. And by using scripture, we are confident in what we are learning. Because we know it's the basis of truth. Seeking salvation, this is both what salvation is and how we search for it. You might say, we know where our salvation comes from, and that's Christ Jesus, and you are right. And you might say, why do we have to search for it? Because scripture teaches it. And we read this in Jeremiah 29 and 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It says it again in Deuteronomy 4. But if from there you will seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. This makes sense if we read King David's Psalms 119.9 when he says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me stray from your commandments. And I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So, how do we seek Jesus? 
Well, again, I go back to Luke 6 and 46. When Jesus himself says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? And that's how we seek Jesus, by being faithful every day to doing what he taught us to the best of our ability. I have a men's group leader in our church who goes by the name of Darren. And he used a great analogy one night that made perfect sense. He says it like this. He said, when you wake up in the morning, you don't draw back your your arrow, right? Draw back your bow with your arrow and let it fly. And then you go through your day, right? And when you get to the end of your day, you find your arrow and you put a circle around it. It says, this is what I was aiming to do. So whatever happens is what I was aiming to do. That's I accomplished what I was aiming to do because I just let it happen. That's not what Christ taught us. He says that we do everything with a purpose. So first, you draw your target. You make a point on what you're trying to achieve. You draw your bow back and you carefully aim your arrow and you let it fly. And at the end of the day, you go back, look at your target and see if you have come close and how close you've come to hitting your target. And we must practice shooting at what we're aiming at every day. And what are we aiming at? We're aiming to be like Christ. Christ said himself, no disciple is above his teacher. And when a student is full grown, he becomes like his teacher. Well, Christ is our teacher. And it says so in Matthew 23, verse 8. It says, but you are not to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth your father, for you have one father who is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructor, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be the servant. And whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. And whoever humbles themselves, he will be exalted. Now you might say Christ was talking about his disciples in this verse. But I'm telling you, we are all disciples of Christ. And it's like it's written in Matthew 28, 8. Jesus says, and he came to him and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now he says that all power and authority was given to him. He is the authority. And we're to go and make disciples and teach them to obey what? What he commanded us. Not what we command or someone else commands. What Jesus commanded him. We're, we're to obey what he said. So we become disciples of Christ and not the ones who guide us to him. And we're not, it's not the one who sows the seed, but God who makes the seed grow. And we read this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. It says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for solid food. In fact, you were still not ready, for you're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and dissension among you, are you not worldly? Are you not walking in the way of man? For when one of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollo? And well, who is Paul? They are servants for whom you believed, as the Lord has assigned each his role. I planted the seed, and Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants, nor he who waters is anything. I'll read that again. 
So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So he who plants and he who waters are one in purpose, and each one will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. So we seek God, and it's God in whom we trust and who we follow. As Christ, as Christ himself has taught us, and gave us a perfect example. Now, I'm not telling you this to discourage you, right? Because I know we all have failings. And God already knows that we have failings. Understand that. He understands our failings. And it's not when we fail. It's when we quit is the problem. He doesn't want us to stop. He wants us to seek him every day. He wants that relationship, that perseverance. Christ says, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Well, we can't very well follow Christ if we're doing our own thing. Now, I want you to realize we do need guides, right? It's important that we have guides and helpers to help us understand Scripture. I'm not telling you that deny what people say all the time. I'm just saying put it to the test. And we know we need guides because we read it in Acts uh, verse 30 when Philip was when Philip ran up to the Ethiopian, right? So we pick up it says Philip ran up and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He says, Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked him. He says, How can I? He said, Unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So you see, he was searching scripture for truth, and when he needed a guide, God provided one. And it also says in James 1 and 5, it says, Pray. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So, if Jesus is our salvation, and it's him who is, who's our teacher, then what do we learn from him? And what do we read what do we read in scripture that Jesus did? Well, we can read in Hebrews 5, verse 7. It says, During the days of Jesus' early life, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Again, we're reading Hebrews 3, verse 12. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a wicked heart of unbelief that turns away from the living God. But exhort one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the assurance we had at first. Now we have read, and I hope we have come to realize, that salvation is an ongoing process. And it's not one that is obtained by just one event. Christ is that salvation and what we put our hope in. And he also gives us a clear path to him to find him. His word teaches us this. As it says in, in Acts 17 verse 27, it says, God intended that you would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now it is my hope that through scripture we can find the truth and become better followers of Christ, who is our Savior. His desire is for us, 
and our desire should be equally for him. If you would, please join me in the next episode, the last episode of this series titled Walking in the Truth. Until then, God's peace and love fill you and lead you always. Have a great day.